Sour Patch Kids have their own cereal. Every every candy company is like moving into different branches of products. Like Sour Patch has cereal, um, Oreo. They have like twenty different flavors of Oreo, but it's just different food flavors. Did I just read that there's pickle? No. There's pickled flavored Doritos. But with Oreos, you know, they have velvet cake, mint, peanut butter. Oh, sorry, Josh. I, I tried one of your peanut butter Oreos. Josh is always buying different flavored Oreos. And I never I never buy them because, you know, I'm, I'm an old man when it comes to junk food. I like sticking to the original. But whenever he gets one, I'll secretly take one. Just one. Just so I can see like, what it's all about. Peanut butter one's not that bad. But <laughs> I just always got to try it just once. I wish Sour Patch Kids sold their cereal in little sample boxes. Because the likelihood of me hating that cereal is probably pretty high. So I don't want to spend $4 on a whole box of cereal that is shit. So just give me like a 50 cent box. Something I can commit to. And if I like it, I like it. It's crazy. This country has way too much food. Our, our relationship with food is so strange. This is this is one of the reasons I really want to visit other places. Like poorer places. Places where food their relationships with food are just different. You know? Over there they're in some places they're fighting for food. They're fighting to have a glass of water or a freaking tomato. Over here we're so bored with our food, we're just we're mixing up the flavors. That's how you know we got it good. We had it real good over here. So good that we're inventing our own problems. It, it, life is so good here that more people are dying from obesity than starvation. That's very good. I mean, it's not good that people are dying, but it's a good problem to have. Obesity is a better problem than starvation. Because obesity, you know... All, at that point, we just have to work on changing our disciplines and our mindsets. But when you're starving, you know, you'll do anything to get something. Mm. But, yeah, just our relationship with food is very strange. But it is nice knowing that things are going pretty good. I think that's why political correctness is as powerful as it's ever been. I think the better civilization gets, the more powerful political correctness becomes. Because, you know, the problems that we have right now, that problems, like these are created problems. Like shit that no one was really thinking about 100 years ago or 200 years ago. Like, like... What do people identify as? Like, you no longer, you can, you have the option to be a man or a woman, but you can also be 
a helicopter if you feel like it. You can be a, a notepad if you're bored enough. See, that's a, that's a first world problem. No one was filling up their head with these concerns. So that's how you know things are good. You know, the things we bitch about the most every day is like slow internet or being on our phones for too long. That's probably my biggest problem is being on my phone for too long. This is probably a problem most people have, but are kind of cool with it. They're not really doing to change anything. I seriously am trying to change my habit of being on my phone for too long. I think I talked about this in the last podcast, but like I literally, I've had to give myself a parental control. I think the reason I forget if I talk about a certain thing on the previous podcast is because I'll record like five different times and I'll talk about different things sometimes. And I think that was one of them. So I don't know if it was on the one I decided to post or another one. But yeah, being on my phone for too long is a problem. I, yeah, where I've had to give myself my own parental luck, you know. And it, it even might get to the point where I have to give my roommates, like, I have to make them give me a password that I can't get through. Because sometimes... The parental lock doesn't even work. I have to, I will go to the settings and just turn it off for a little bit so I can do the shit I want to do and then take it back. Like I'm only allowed to be on the internet for an hour or I'm only allowed to be on social media for an hour unless it's business related. Um, but yeah, just an hour because a long time ago, I started tracking how long I was actually on my phone. And I thought if I just tracked it, that would be enough. I thought if I, if I just knew how long I was on my phone, it would be enough for me to, like, encourage me to stop being on it so much. But no, it just made me feel more shameful doing it. You know, I found out, like, the longest I was on my phone for a day was, like, six hours, six or seven hours. But... I used to work on a farm, and my my boss, my uncle, who was also my boss, he had a, a GPS in his tractor. So the tractor just drove itself. All you had to look worry about was like look back, see if none of the blades were broken, and just turn around whenever you got to the end of the field. So the next 20 minutes, I'm just on the field, just looking ahead. So yeah, I'm gonna be on my phone for a little bit. I think that's when I was on it, like, all day. But that's, that's uh, like, if in any situation, that's probably the most understandable, right? You're, I'm, I'm working. I don't, I literally just have to sit there and just make sure nothing breaks, which that's great. But uh, some days when I'm just home, when I could be reading, I could be playing guitar, I could be going for a walk or going to the gym. I'm on my phone a lot. And those days, I'm easily on there for three to four hours. Three to four fucking hours. Where the most of that is just scrolling through Facebook. Oh, God. 
But yeah, it didn't stop me. Like figuring that out didn't prevent me. It didn't limit my time. It just made me feel worse about doing it because I actually knew how long I was on it. But I still kept doing it. So then uh, Apple came out with a new with a new update where it would allow you to track your screen time and put limits on it. You know, you could restrict certain sites. And uh, that's what I did. I finally, like, had the idea of, like, you know what? I'm going to take matters in my own hands. I can't. I can't. I don't have. I'm not disciplined enough to do it myself. So I need help. That's another thing. Like, people don't want to admit that. People think they could just stop doing it. But really, you, you really can't because you just keep doing it. That's with everything in terms of, like, all the drugs out there. Internet is not a drug. That's most of our drugs. That's that's a tolerated drug right now, Internet. Because it's a drug that's new and everyone uses, and it doesn't affect you physically, at least in the short term. But this is like a... This is a drug that gradually affects the way our brain is wired and that's harder to pay attention to so that's why it's so tolerated right now but people are starting to catch on I think there's going to be a lot of changes within the next 10 to 15 years with how internet is used I don't know how it might just be through culture or it's just we shame each other kind of for being this way about the internet or government takes action, that would be an issue because we don't know, like, who's going to decide what the problem is and, like, if we actually make laws with this. Like, who's the, who's going to be the person to make the decision for us as in, like, what exactly the problem is? So that would be an issue if the government came in. But, yeah, something's going to happen. Something has to happen. That's the thing. Like, I don't know what the answer is, but would it be better for the government to come in than rather than do nothing at all? I don't know. People like to assume that everything is a slippery slope. And, like, you do one thing, then it just makes it more accessible to do another thing that's a little, like, more severe. That's a good argument, and you know we can't just trust that the government won't take advantage of that one change. But you know what I've noticed, like the like all the things that we wanted the government to not do. Are we recording? Crap! I don't know where it left off, but someone freaking called me. Oh, that annoys the hell out of me. I need to get an actual recorder or something from a laptop. But what was I just talking about? God damn it. Oh, yeah. The things that we spent all these years thinking about, were, which the government, we don't want the government to do, which is to, like, track our locations and, like, uh, like, sur like surveillance us. But it turns out, the government didn't have to force any of that because we willingly gave that to companies. You know, that's an issue with humans. 
like like Snapchat for one and Facebook where they made it kind of they it was a feature that they allowed you to have. It wasn't something they were demanding that you do. It was just a feature that they allowed which was to track your location that way I guess in terms of Facebook people could advertise more effectively. You know, it's just it's all money. And with Snapchat, they introduced SnapMap where you could just have a little little avatar wherever you were. And we could all just look at each other's avatars and like, hey, we'll check it out. I'm on this road trip. I'm all the way in Canada while you guys are in Texas. Ha ha ha. You know? So that's kind of scary because, like, we are willing to give up certain information. We just don't want to be forced to do it. You know, that's the thing with government. Like, usually they're forcing it on you. But turns out, we'll just give it away. Just <laughs> just make it kind of cool, you know? And the problem with that is, like, you know, what if the government forces the businesses to hand over the information? I don't know. Like, if 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 Facebook did decide to work with the government, then that would be a huge issue. Like, we just gave it to Facebook, and Facebook handed it over to someone else. You know, they did that. Facebook sold our private information to businesses so they could advertise to us better. So, yeah, that's on us, though. Like, we're all mad at Facebook for being unethical, but fucking us? Like, we spent all these years saying, I don't want them to know where I'm at. But at the same time, you just gave them where you're at. (laughs) Just because it's not government-affiliated doesn't make it better. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know where I was going with this, but, yeah, something's going to change in the next 10 to 15 years. None of us know what's going on. The Internet has really only been popular for probably since, like, 2008. And this is the argument I make uh, about Obama because, you know, Obama was not liked, uh, like, on the conservative side. He was very – he was attacked a lot. And I think he still would have been. Uh, let me let me see, let me make the argument. I think Obama would have been less hated had he not became president right when Facebook became popular. Like he became president right when people realized you can you can have a platform on Facebook and you can share each other's opinions and just everyone comes together and creates these little these little groups these little bubbles. And I think that's the reason he was he would have he would have been less hated if Facebook wasn't around. That's my thing. And arguably the same with Trump. Trump's a different case because he's you know, like Obama, he was you can hate him or not, but you have to admit that he was a great representative of America. Like he was a good spokesperson. That's really what you want for a president, I imagine, is to just present America in a good light. Not necessarily on the politics, but just on your demeanor. You know, Trump is just a big, fat baby. And then other countries see that, 
like uh, they they associate the president they associate the country with the president. I think that's the president's biggest role is to not make us look like a big fat baby. And I think that's Trump's biggest flaw. We could argue on his politics, but just on his personality, the president. Oh, that's all a president is, pretty much. You know, we always talk about how the president really doesn't have that much power. But the biggest thing, his biggest role is his personality. That's what I argue. So that's where Obama was way better than Trump. I think that's objectively true. I think I think most conservatives would agree with that. But I don't know. But yeah, the internet is a crazy place. I, th- I feel like I've, this is my third podcast where I talked about this. But it's an interesting topic. Because we're all in this together. Everyone's on the internet. Old people and young people alike. I put that on my first promo when I talked about the internet. I made a little advertisement on Instagram, and that was one of the the sound bites. Old people, young people alike, we're all just in this place now. And none of us know where it's headed. Honestly, we're all just we're all just taking part in it and not knowing where we'll end up because it's changed so drastically from 2008 to now. I mean, the internet's been around since the early 90s, is that right? And that's only, that wasn't even 30 years ago. And But the internet wasn't really like a thing people participated in as part of their daily life until early the early 2010s. You know, Facebook started getting some heat, like picking up around 2008 when Obama became president. Before that, you know, we had MySpace and Friendster, all the young people, all the college kids, high school kids were on there. And Facebook got the old people on. That's a big deal, too. Like, for people who have no experience or have no skills within the Internet and they just get them on board, that's a pretty... That's props to Facebook for making that happen. Like them or hate them, that's good business. But... <laughs> But now a lot of old people have the issue of sharing misinformation. Not 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 opinions, but actual false information. I think I talked I, I definitely talked about that last podcast, so I won't go into it. But remember MySpace? That was a simple time. Super simple. You know, I just <laughs> they gave you so much freedom with the coding on that website and that was before high speed internet so you could literally put as much code on your page as you wanted <laughs> and you would click on their profile and it would just take an hour to load their profile picture and then you can add a song as well that was probably the best part i wish facebook would do that as soon as you open their page a song starts playing that's awesome. That's the only reason that I wanted a MySpace, I think, when I was 12 or 13. Because I wanted to show people the songs I was into. My very first profile song was 
um, I think it was, uh, Party Like a Rockstar by the Shop Boys. That was, that was my first MySpace song. And after that, it was an Ozzy Osbourne. I, I don't want to stop. Oh, my life has been over the top. Yeah. I was honestly, I never understood why Facebook was so popular at the beginning. Like, I was still on MySpace. Everyone was still on MySpace. But then we started getting our own Facebook pages. Like, we weren't using them as frequently, but everyone started creating Facebook pages. <clears throat> and it was intended for college kids, so it was mainly just them for a while. But after few years like everyone's on it but i never understood why it got so popular because like well you can't even add your own song what is this you don't have a top eight friend list this is lame i never understood uh the display the layout was a lot different but i was just too young to like compare the differences so but uh, looking back i guess i get it MySpace was just so unorganized. That was their problem. It was a very tacky place. <laughs> it was hard to navigate. And I think Facebook kind of came in and took all the best qualities of every social media platform and just made this hybrid. You know, not just like, not just social media, but YouTube as well. Like Facebook, you can put as many hours of video on Facebook as you want. Same with YouTube. You can put a 24-hour video on YouTube. That's crazy. I'm pretty sure it's the same with with Facebook. I know you can do uh, uh, several hours. That's the most I've ever seen. I don't know how what their limit actually is, but you can do that. And what's what else? Twitter is mainly for, like, it's like microblogging kind of thing. You can do that with Facebook. Facebook's more of like a community. So weird. Depending on like if you're trying to run an online business, <clears throat> you need to like learn your audience. Because if you're on Facebook, you don't want to put a two-hour video. Like people go to YouTube for long-form videos. But if you're on Facebook, you kind of want to give like a little clip and send them to YouTube kind of thing. Because no one's on Facebook to watch two hours of video. You know, people are scrolling through Facebook. What you need on Facebook is a scroll stopper. And a scroll stopper is just a video that makes people stop scrolling. You know, on YouTube, people are seeking out certain videos. But on Facebook, uh you have to seek out the audience, pretty much. So you want you want to make, like, the first four seconds of your video very grabby, very catching. And a lot of, a lot of Facebook brands are really good at that. Like the Nifty. Does anyone keep up with Nifty or Tasty? Where they, I guess they, people send in, they submit their own food recipes and Tasty will give you like the freaking Oreo lasagna. Like, and you're like, what? What is it? Okay, I'll watch five minutes of 
this cooking video that I'll never do myself. But I always save it or something like, oh, I gotta make this <clears throat> dumbass. Who's gonna make an Oreo lasagna? I don't think that's an actual thing, by the way. But I wouldn't be surprised if I saw that. It's a crazy place. You know, it's a beautiful place too. You know, it's not all bad. It makes things convenient as ever. It makes working remotely more of an option. That's currently what I'm trying to make happen, where I can just work from my laptop so I don't have to be in a freaking office or a building. I can just be at a fucking Starbucks or in my car or on a campground or on a fucking mountain if I have the internet access. That's great. I don't want to get rid of that. I don't want to go back to doing nine to five. Fuck that. What else is great? Communicating. You know, we could argue (laughs) if that's good or bad, you know. For the most part, okay, my last podcast was called 1% of Dipshits. And it's the 1% of dipshits that ruin it for everyone else. And I think that's the problem with the Internet right now. You know, most people are using it pretty wisely and pretty friendly and safe. And But there's just that 1% of dipshits that, you know, they'll they'll just ruin it. They'll just start commenting on all your photos and call you a fat bitch. You know, who the fuck? I want to know the type of people who comment on YouTube videos. Like, first of all, who's who's making time to comment on Facebook videos? And why do people read it? Like, it's an actual hobby a lot of people do. I, it, it's got to be, I can't have a problem with it because everyone likes doing it. But I never, I've never been appealed to it. I've never been drawn to go to the YouTube section and read the comments or on Facebook, you know. But the freaking person you have to be like, <laughs> no one's happily commenting on YouTube. I never see, I can't picture someone having a, a smiley face while they're typing in words. Ugh. You know, I definitely, man, I got to stop saying I brought it up before. Because, yes, I, I brought it up before. I'm just going to keep talking about it. I always talk about how. The internet encourages our worst impulses. And that is so goddamn true. You know, if you have an addiction, if you have, if you're addicted to Coke, you know, the internet, you can text your Coke guy two in the morning, you know, they're always available because they're always up, right? Because <laughs> they're on Coke. But uh, if you, if you have a porn addiction, instant access everywhere, free porn. Free instant access to people having sex with each other. I was listening to a podcast recently about how in in the porn industry where uh, male porn stars can't get an erection with a live person right in front of them. So they have to go to Pornhub real quick to I think they call them fluffers. You know, they fluff up their, you know, they get them, they idle their dick. Before having sex. So they have to go to Pornhub to get themselves ready. That's so crazy. There's a person right in front of you. But 
you have to go to Pornhub. You got to go to your own video somewhere and get yourself going. I wonder if he's like watching himself instead of the girl. Nah, that's funny. But yeah, if you have a porn addiction, instant access. You can exploit that addiction as much as you want. And no one's going to freaking bat an eye because no, for a lot of times no one even knows you have that problem. Because, you know, it's if, if, you, if you're addicted to coke, you have to go to a place and pick it up where people are involved, other people. And there's, a, there's always squirrely activity going on with people, always. So you're just more likely to get caught doing it. And But on the Internet, you know, if you're addicted to porn or, let's say, video games, online gaming, uh, you can do lotto tickets now, I'm pretty sure. You can buy lotto tickets online. I think that's the thing. You know, that's a much easier addiction to keep because you can keep it, at least you have an easier time keeping it a secret. It's crazy. Man, I was just going to talk about something. I've ne- I don't think I've ever bought a lotto ticket before. That's a weird one. I do, I'm pretty good at losing money, but not with lotto tickets. I... <laughs> I remember when I first moved to Oregon, I was I had an issue with hot wings. Every every week, at least once a week, I would go and buy some hot wings at Hot Mamas. Ooh, I still do, but not it's not nearly as much as I used to. But yeah, I still get their wings. They're the bomb, bro. Free plug for hot ones, hot mamas. What else? Sugar, that's always been my thing. Soda. Like I'd be at a party. I'd be three beers in. And I'd just be like, yeah, do you have a Sprite? Do you have a Coke I can have? Because I'm, I'm tired of this Budweiser. If I don't get drunk in time, I'll just call it quits and just give me a soda, please. I want something sugary. I want something sweet. I'm tired of this fake liquid and I was I was just going to bring some up I was referring to coke addictions porn addictions what else can the internet exacerbate uh, our impulse to ramble you know everyone has a platform now uh, we're, we're always more ignited than we used to be we're always on edge because we always have information coming at us, and a lot of that information are opinion pieces. Everyone has an opinion, and because of the internet, we're hearing everyone's opinion. And I'm and I take part in this. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm I 100% am a part of that group of people who like posting their opinions because everyone's got one. Just everyone else's are stupid, and mine's right. That's a joke, by the way. Let's see what else. It's endless, honestly. But at the same time, (laughs) at the same time, you know, if you're addicted to pornography from the Internet, you know, too much Internet porn, you can also go to the Internet and look up videos on, like, the science of porn addiction. 
you know, go to YouTube, find, look up books on how to treat yourself. You know, there's also that as well. You have endless amounts of things to help you out. But we're, we're pleasure creatures. People don't want to do the thing that requires discipline. We want the easy shit. You know, same with all animals. We love the easy way out. It's convenient. Of course, you know, our brains are desired. We were wired to do that. You know, it's all about survival. And survival is just do the thing you know because, you know, you're not dead and it's easy. Doing the thing that's hard takes time. Sometimes when something takes time, it can be dangerous. Not dangerous, but, you know, our brain kind of thinks it is. Because, you know, if back in the day, why reach for the pineapples on top of the mountain where you just have some grapes at the bottom of of the ground? You know, the pineapples would probably be more rewarding, but, you know, you might fall off a rock and or have one fall on you while you're reaching for them. So it just makes more sense to stay on the ground and just pick at the grapes. I get it. And, uh, but, you know, the Internet is here to help us. I've, like, I find some of the best content on the Internet the best podcasts, the best books, YouTube clips. It's all there. It's just hard to put into practice sometimes. I, I'm, I'm slowly getting better at how the internet should work for me. I'm trying to make it my own. But one thing that's for certain is that it's not going anywhere. It's it's here to stay. So that's the thing we all need to talk about. You know, you can't, don't be the dude that, you know, I'm going flip phone. Fuck this this smart stuff. I'm just going to have a device for phone calls. But it's going to get to the point where you cannot survive. I think that will be inevitable where you will need access to the internet in order to just live. A lot more stores are abandoning physical money and just going for the, uh, just an app you use on your phone. You scan it and then you get money that way. Venmo, you know? So it's going to get to a point where not having internet with you will be harmful for your survival. So it's not good to be that little hippie dude who just goes for the... I guess right now it's fine. You could totally be the flip phone dude. You're you're weird and you're falling behind, but you could totally do it. That's the problem, you know. People don't want to fall behind in terms of... You can fall behind on, like, pop culture. Like, we don't have to keep up with that nonsense, even though we'd, we'd like to. But we don't have to. But... Falling behind in terms of like information, you know, shit we gotta know. Too much information is another thing on the internet. You know, at one one thing, it's great that we know literally everything that's happening in the world right now. But I think we need to be more picky with the information we take in because how, like Dave Chappelle said it best, how can you care about anything when you know about everything? Like, we don't have time to be 
constantly worried about every problem going on in the world. I mean, we sh- I mean, ideally we would like to, and it does hit us in a, in a certain emotional way, but we're not going to do anything about it because we're just, there's too much. There's too many options to tend to like to focus on. So I think getting it's that's a weird one because it's good to know what's going on in the world, but at the same time, nothing really. I think it makes less change because no one's really going to take action because everything's going on. How do we decide what we should like help with? So we just don't help at all. I think that'd be the same though if there was. I don't know. If there was less information coming out, would we help more? I wonder if there's a statistic for that, like pre-internet versus post-internet. How often were people helping out with their communities or sending clothes to Ethiopian kids? I don't know. Too much information. The age of information. Too much, too much. It's a fun topic for me. I always like talking about the internet because it, it it reveals who we are. Like the internet doesn't change anybody; it just exposes us. And uh, come to find out, a lot of us are really fucked up. I think everyone is fucked up. We're just fucked up in different ways. I recommend this book called Everybody Lies. Basically, it's just through Google data, through Google searches, we have a way better understanding of human psychology because people are are a lot more honest with the Google search than they are to their buddies. You know, I found out that the way men are insecure about their penis size Women are equally insecure about the smell of their vagina. That's interesting. I don't know what I'm going to do with that information, but I know that now. <laughs> here's a, here's a here's a crazy thing that you find out in the book. I need to go back and read it because there was a lot of fascinating things that I just I forgot because it's been a while. But uh, one thing I remembered was when Obama became president. More people Googled first nigger president. And then the second most Googled thing was first black president. More people Googled the N-word than black. And these a lot of these searches came from like so-called liberal places. Like New York or California. A lot of those searches came from those places. And a lot came from the South, obviously. But yeah, it's, you learn a lot. It's a great book. The internet is exposing who we are. As a, kind of as a whole. Like, we're coming to find out a lot of us aren't as, I mean, we're pretty good people for the most part, but a lot of us are also just not informed. You know, a lot of us are just, very uh, absent-minded. 
And uh, that's a that's a controversial thing, I think. Like, for me, I do think I shouldn't say most people. A, a good portion of people, as a whole, <laughs> I'd say at least forty percent of people are idiots. That's a pretty. I would. Uh, that's a conservative number in my head. I think more people are just dummies, and not in a like like an educational way, just in an intuition kind of way. I think people are just not as intuitive as we would like to think. I like to think I'm pretty intuitive, or. I even know the best way to describe the idiocy I'm talking about. Is that the word I'm looking for, idiocy? Like, because it def- not, I'm not talking about grades. I'm not talking about education-wise, because anyone can regurgitate anything. You can memorize a lot of shit. But just basic common sense, I think that's lacking in most people. I think I think that's that's accurate. I don't want to do a statistic on it, but I think eh, a lot of people might not like to hear that. But I just that's what I think. I think most people like you can't logic is never enough for people. <clears throat> Facts are never enough. Showing reason, being rational, that's not enough for most people. Most people attach the things they know with stories. You know, people want a story. They want something that is gripping, that has an emotion behind it. And I think that's where the most success comes from in powerful people. I think they're really good at combining logic with a story. That's why scientists have a terrible job at getting information out in the world because they're just too fact-based. They're, they're, they sound autistic. You know, no one, people are bored with stats. We want a story. We want something that gives us feelings. And, uh, the older I get, the more I'm starting to see that. So I guess that's the, what I'm trying to get at. People just, we're not logical beings. We, we're not wired to be logical. You know, if we were, we wouldn't do things that were so goddamn easy. You know, we, if we were all logical and rational, we would just, we would be these disciplined, perfect beings, right? We'd all be millionaires with perfect abs. But we're not. And I think that's because we we make decisions in life based off of feelings and emotions. And uh it's something we should think about. And just because you it's on your mind, like for someone like me who that's what I think. You know, I'm not a perfect being either, even though I like to think I decide I make decisions off of logic. It's it's not enough. Knowing isn't enough either. That's another thing. Once you do have 
the awareness that it's better to make decisions based off of facts and logic, you still have to like discipline your your subconscious to do that as well. Because that's a whole nother ballgame. Your conscious, that's an easy thing to like fix. But your subconscious is a whole nother thing. That's where all your true decision making comes from. And it's it's hard to control because it's our subconscious. We don't we're not actively aware of like how we're triggering it to make certain decisions. I've been plenty I've been in plenty of situations where like I've been mad at something and logically it didn't make sense for me to be mad. Like I had no room to be upset. But emotionally, I was because, you know, I can't help it. I'm just, I can't help but to have thoughts, to have feelings. <clears throat> but yeah, we're complex creatures. Free will is not a real thing. <laughs> That's another controversial belief I have. Free will doesn't exist. <clears throat> it just doesn't. The the will to make decisions, sure, but like the will to be to have the urge to make certain decisions, that's not free will. Like a pedophile doesn't he has the will to not have sex with a kid. Like he could make him force himself to not do that act, but the urge to have the act is not his choice. He didn't choose to have that urge. And for someone like me, I don't have the urge. That wasn't my choice to not have the urge. It's just based off of circumstances and experiences. I I was lucky enough to not have the urge to have sex with kids. You know? Nature versus nurture. It's, it's usually a combination of both. How did we get to this? Pedophilia. All the way from the internet down to pedophilia. These are all interesting things to me. I don't have solutions. I just like pointing them out. Like most politicians. You know, they'll, they'll address a problem to let you know that they know that there's a problem. But there's no solutions. The only person I've heard with solutions is Andrew Yang, the current presidential, the one of 23 presidential Democrat candidates. He's the only person who has, as far as I can tell, that has a clear destination for the problems that he's addressing. Like He has an answer to a lot of these things. Pretty much every other candidate is basically running off the platform of I'm not Donald Trump. That's most of the Democratic candidates. That's what that's basically what they say. Like, I we gotta get rid of Trump and I'm not him. So that's good enough, right? That should be good enough. And it might be. We'll see. I haven't really heard Pete Buttigieg make any clear policy things, announcements, but uh, he's really popular right now. 
I think it's just because his face. I think he's just super likable. Very, very calm on the eyes. Very soft-spoken. Just, he he's like a visual representation of ASMR. You know, he just relaxes people. And uh, that's a good, in terms of, like, what we were talking about earlier, like, that's almost all you need. A president is really just a good personality. That's what you want in a president. You just want him to have a good personality. Because that's most of what the other world sees, I would think. I don't know. In America, that's probably different. I think we have a lot of impact on what goes on around the world. I don't know how much of that is directly because of the president, though. Like, that's the shit I don't really know about. And I don't want to argue about because I just don't know. Like, how impactful the president actually is on these decisions. Or just the people he decides to have around. I don't know. So, but what I do know is that a lot of countries just are judging us based off of who the president is. And right now, a lot of countries are laughing at us because we have a fat fucking baby in office. Like, I don't understand. Like, the people who love Trump, like, they're... They don't even criticize his personality, which is justifiably terrible. Like, this is how you know a Trump supporter is delusional, is whenever they don't even know how ridiculous he actually is because he just made these announcements and promises to them. So they just look at him like this perfect being. It's crazy. It's just so delusional. Trump is objectively an obnoxious person. Some people will admit it. But, like, the people who like him, a lot of these are people, you know, like, very conservative, stern people. Um, People who emphasize on disciplining your kids, you know. Generally, that's, like, the conservative mindset, you know. Giving a good ass whooping if they need it. (laughs) You know, spanking your kids and disciplining them and just shake their hands with a firm handshake, you know. Look him in the eye. That kind of stuff. A lot of those people are Trump supporters. And I don't, I can't imagine having their kid grow up to act like that and then be proud. I don't, like, that is not a very well disciplined child. I don't think Trump was well disciplined. And you can just see that. Him being a seven year old brat. He was just, like, before Trump, before he was president, I could see these same people who support him also calling him like a spoiled rich boy that needs a good ass whipping. And, uh, and I'm just going strictly off of personality. I, I don't know enough about the politics. But personality, I, I feel like I can, I can throw my hat in that ring. The personality debate. But yeah, just... I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Tribalism. He had that little R by his name, so that's, people voted for him, just, just for the fact that he had that little R. Whatever. I am looking forward to this campaign, though. Trump officially just launched his. But it's going to be, like, that's some credit I give to Trump, is people are engaged more than ever with politics. Like, he actually made politics fun. 
that's that's a hard thing to do. Trump did it. And so, like, people, I feel like, will be pretty active come this election. And that's, like, a lot more people support him and a lot more people who hate him. But I think a lot more people are going to turn out. And uh, we'll see. It's going to be fun. I I don't know how it's going to end, but it's, it's not going to be boring. That's the cool thing. This isn't going to be a boring campaign. So yeah, that's pretty, that's, that's fun. I, I would like to keep talking. I don't know what else I have left to talk about, but this is a pretty good recording so far. I enjoy it. I'm in Josh's closet right now. This is, this is pretty much going to be my place now. I feel, I feel, feel safe. But yeah. Internet is crazy. Trump is crazy. People are crazy. Oh, I felt great. As you probably guessed, I haven't spoken this podcast. I don't bring that up anymore. That's something I'm glad I don't do. I don't. I used to always try to justify myself smoking weed. I think that's just because I'm from Texas. And I, most people who know me are from Texas. So they still have, like, whenever you live, in, whenever you move to a state where weed's legal, you just look at it differently. And because when I first came, when I first went to my first weed store ever, it was in Colorado. Like, I was a little sketched out. I was looking at other people. I was like, uh, this is cool, right? Oh, okay, yeah, sweet. <laughs> Like, it takes a while to to realize that other people are there with you in the same exact situation. Like, they don't they don't give a shit about buying weed. This is what they do. This is like going to the store and buying a candy bar, pretty much. We're just at the weed store buying weed. So, yeah. So I guess that's why I try to justify my weed smoking on here because I know that the people who are listening are predominantly from Texas. And your relationship with weed is just different over there. Even, like, people who smoke it. <laughs> oh, my God. I went down to Texas, and I freaking, I bought, I bought weed, but it, it was delivered to me in uh, a freaking paper towel. Like, over here, we have cartridges. We have little tubes to put your freshly harvested weed into. And over here, you got this dry-ass weed that some kid some why are all drug dealers high school kids i don't i don't get it but yeah they just have this weed that's been laying out probably out in the dry air for 10 days and then they run out of bags to sell it to you so they just wrap it up in a paper towel what the fuck i've been delivered weed in bread bags paper towels now what else I think like Tupperware, like a sandwich box. Like what the hell? Okay, thanks. I got free Tupperware now. I can use it. Man, illegal drugs are—it's just a whole different ball game buying weed in Texas compared to here now. Everything is a lot more regulated, which is good. This is good regulation 
because in Texas, I was I'm meeting this fucking kid. He's 17. I would never met him in my life. You know, we're sending a text to him, trying to, like, get, get a hold of him. It takes him two hours to respond to you. And sometimes when he res- finally does respond, he says, sorry, bro, I'm out. I'm in San Antonio. Uh, I got I got shit to do. But that's just very bad business. Like, since high school, dealing with this shit, like, I'd always rant about it. Like, if I was a drug dealer, I would be so professional. I would have... I would, if I was out of weed, I would tell you immediately. That way you just don't leave me fucking hanging. Leave them fucking hanging for two hours. Sometimes a day and a half. Yeah, bro, I got some. Well, I don't need any now. Found someone else. Like, you know, kids, drug dealing kids have no concept of, like, like business, you know? Like, bad customer service. That's a big thing, man. And then sometimes they would skimp you. They they sprinkle some tobacco in there just for them to save weed. You know, so many, so unregulated. Pete, you you would save so many lives by legalizing drugs just because, but just because of regulations. You know, you don't have to fucking meet strangers. Where are all these strangers living out in the boonies? Like I don't know where I'm at. And this place always looks like it's nighttime. Like, why is it? It's two in the afternoon. Why is the sun down? But yeah, it was a crazy time. It makes for good memories, though. Like the unregulated things make for great memories. You know, I I hear all these stories of like my uncle and grandpa where they just were up to all these shenanigans back in high school and i don't really recall many shenanigans in high school there's a few like where we would all party on a school night and just all be hung over the next day in class and we all have football practice that's not really shenanigans though that's just being a kid and drinking but like shenanigans where you climb the water tower or you you run from the cops I've always wanted a story like that. I've always wanted a story of me just being rebellious. I mean, I did illegal things like we all do, you know, underage drinking and probably driving when you probably shouldn't be driving and uh, stuff like that. I don't do that anymore, but, you know, I was a stupid kid. I was invincible. When you're a kid, you're just invincible until you're not. But other than other than the normal illegal things that everyone did, I wasn't very rebellious. You know, I never acted out. I never really snuck out either. I never had a desire to sneak out of my house. Like for what reason? Okay, I'm out. Uh, am I gonna meet friends? Uh, what's going on? None of us have cars. Yeah, I never stole my mom's car. That was the thing that was more common back in the day. Maybe it's common now. I I just wasn't one of those kids. But, yeah, I I feel like there's this hidden rebel rebel in me. I have this hidden underbelly of rebellion. And I'm just, 
Like, I've always wanted to be in a fight. I've never been in a fight. People like me. I'm too likable. I, I, don't, I don't make enemies. At the very most, I make passive-aggressive enemies, where maybe I annoy them, or they annoy me, and we just, we're kind of annoyed with each other, but we're not going to fight. Like, I've never had a, a genuine reason to punch someone right in the face. Oh, I've had, okay, I've had reasons, but, uh, they were all female, and I can't punch them. Joke. It's a joke. I've had men that I wanted to punch in the face, but they were either twice my age and three times thicker than I was. I can punch them, but it'll be like me punching a brick wall, and they'll they'll punch me, and it'll be like a brick wall punching me in the face. So I can't do that. You know, that's just good survival strategy. Just don't pick a fight with the biggest guy, unless you're in prison, apparently. But uh didn't do that. And, you know, I was, I'm pretty good with the words. You know, most people who pick fights, I would guess, are people who are either really insecure and have something to prove themselves, or they just don't know how to use their words. And because they don't know how to use their words, it makes them more frustrated, and they want to punch something in the face. I think those are the two kind of people that get in fights. And the third person is just, you know, the person who's defending himself, who got punched, for no reason, and like, hey, what the fuck? I'm gonna punch you back. I want to be that guy. I want to be that dude. I want to be the third person, where I'm defending myself or I'm defending someone else, someone who's a lot smaller. I wanted to be the hero while I punch someone in the face. I don't want to be the the asshole who starts it. I'm never gonna be that guy. But yeah, I do have this hidden underbelly. Of wanting to be a rebel. I'm like a secret hothead. I've had moments back in my heyday. When I was like 12 or 13. Where I would get. Very angry. With certain things. You know me and my sister used to argue a lot. And bicker. Just yell at each other right in our faces. And uh. I remember when I was younger. I used to be very aggressive. Not aggressive. Not like violent. But just more impatient with things. You know, I was short-tempered, and I think I've gotten a lot calmer over the years because of that. I think I realized that early on that it shouldn't be so tempered, so I learned how to kind of just be chill. But I do think that that temperament is still within me, and I think a part of me wants to release it. You know, sometimes I kind of feel trapped. I feel clogged up. And it's a weird way to put it. But if I just release a little bit of that, I think I would have more energy throughout the day. I think I would uh, produce more testosterone. You know, I think, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go as far as toxic masculinity. But I do think, you know, it's good to have some energy throughout the day. That's, that's a lot of my problems. A lot of that's with how I'm eating. But it's it's a different conversation. I just, there's a rebel in me that I want to release. I want to do shit that'll get me in trouble. You know, and if I was a comedian, none of that would hurt my career. That's only going to help it, all these stories. But, you know, if I'm, 
working at Wall Street or maybe not Wall Street, you know, just a, your regular nine to five job. And I get caught uh, climbing a water tower, not like causing damage or anything, just doing something I shouldn't be doing. You know, that's more likely to fuck up my career. That's one of the reasons I just wanted to be a comedian or just be my own boss or it doesn't matter what I do, I can still fuck off. I mean, I probably can't be a pedophile, <laughs> but I don't want to be that, so I don't have a hidden underbelly of pedophilia, so that's good. My mom would be so proud. But, you know, just being a little rebel. I want that. What time is it? 3.13. How long have I been? I feel like I've been talking for a good while. Maybe 40 minutes. Hour. An hour and four minutes. Nice. Not bad. Man, I hope that the recording at the beginning didn't screw everything up. We'll see. Let's see if I can keep talking. Let's see how far I can keep going. I might just start uh, having lesser things to talk about, but let's just see. I'll just take it out at the end. We'll see. So if I do, let me just let me just create an ending right now. Well that's pretty good. Uh well anyway I think it was I think we'll wrap it up right there. So I see you guys later. Bye. Okay, we're good. So uh, I can just stop it right there. Then we'll be good. Josh, I have another confession. Smoking your weed. I have a bad habit of smoking my friends' weeds and not getting my own weed. It's not because I'm I'm piggybacking off of them. It's just because I don't smoke that much weed anymore. They smoke more often than I do. So like, if they're doing it, they're like, hey, what you doing in there? Like, that's kind of me. That's my level of smoking weed. Unless I'm making a podcast, then I'll I'll smoke on my own. I don't really smoke by myself anymore. And this is a conversation just for pot smokers. Because if you don't smoke pot, you're not really going to get this. But, yeah, I don't smoke by myself anymore. And I feel like I should start doing that again. Because introspection is so important in anyone's life. And that's something I just don't get enough of anymore. A lot of it is because I'm sleeping in the living room, so I don't have a door, I don't have a wall, I don't have that privacy that I really need. And I can't, and I'm not allowed to get mad, obviously, if, like, someone comes in the kitchen. There is a fucking kitchen, you know? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna regulate kitchen time. Maybe we should. No, I'm joking, guys. But, yeah, that's one reason. And I live in a city, and... City's not a good place for introspection. It's very noisy. I live right next to this family where this mom and her kids live with her mom. And, oh, my God, they got – the kids and the grandma got in a fight the other day. I was trying to read, but I, I can't because, you know, this fight's going on. This kid is just yelling at the top of his lungs, and, and it's right in his grandma's face. I can't see anything because I could if I look out the window, but I'm just, I'm just trying to read. And the kid actually hits the grandma. I hear a smack. And then it gets real silent. And then the grandma goes, do not hit me. And then she smacks him. And then these people come. 
like this couple and the the guy's going off like we saw you hit him like we're gonna call the cops and all this shit's going on i'm just trying to read my book i'm just trying to (laughs) turn to chapter six finally and uh yeah so it's hard to alone time is very difficult here usually when i go for alone time i go to spencer butte which is the local hiking spot very very cool place very short hike so it's not it's not a long trek it's just a 20 minute hike up the mountain and once you get there you know there's a lot of room to just kind of be by yourself which i like that i i enjoy that spot going i usually will take a little weed oh yeah that's what i was trying to get at like introspection with weed smoking by yourself just enhances your introspective pursuit your practice on introspection that's one thing i really loved in texas because allegedly i would smoke weed and i lived on a farm so there's just all this space to just i lived on a farm and like away from the city and the city i was in was a town of 1300 people so there's barely any noise already but yeah i lived on this farm i could just go outside and look at the bright moon and the clouds that are kind of like hovering around it just this really beautiful night sky and i'll just smoke a bowl and talk to myself that's one thing i really miss about being home is just having that option to go outside where there's no people there's no sound and i can just look at the sky and talk to myself while getting high (laughs) and that's one of those little things i really do miss I'm a person who really values alone time. And because I kind of don't get enough of that, I'm getting too much of the other side, which is, you know, social time. Social time is equally important as alone time. But I'm getting one side, you know. And honestly, I might be the person, if I have the option for alone time, I'll get too much of that. And then I'll talk about I need to get back into the social life. So that's another hard balance that people need to make with themselves. But an important one. Really important one. But yes, I I was thinking about just going camping soon and leaving my phone. Not even taking my phone with me and just going and sleeping in a tent for a night. Maybe taking a book. Maybe not even taking a book. Because, you know, a book, like reading books are important, obviously. But, like, with my situation, I think I talked about this on the last podcast. Like, I'll be reading, I read a lot of books. I read three books a month. That's the resolution I gave myself. So I'm reading three books a month. And, uh... You know, I could be doing that for my alone time, like reading, but I'm just taking in information. I'm just taking in all this information. And whenever I'm not reading, I get on my phone. Then I get on Facebook or Twitter and just scroll. And just I'm taking in more information and more or less useful information at that. 
So between, like, I don't really give myself time between reading and phone time to just do nothing. You know, that's the one thing I need to do more is just nothing. There's so much value in doing nothing. Like, I, I'm so curious as to how life was in the, in the 90s. Even the 1800s before phones. I don't know when the first phone came out. But what was that like? And apparently, like, it was boring as fuck because more the brain becomes more stimulated when you have nothing to do. So there are a lot more claims of seeing ghosts and chupacabras and all these monsters that weren't there. But because you're so freaking bored, your brain just created these things. So, but go back, going back to when you're doing nothing, your brain needs more stimulation. So it creates it. So that's the, the part that I really want more of is just organic stimulation. Just entertaining myself through my own mind. I don't do that enough. No one does that enough. Kids, fucking kids, like, I don't think any of them ride bikes. I think some of them maybe do. But, like, from the time they're babies, they're, they have an iPad because parents figure out that an iPad is just as effective as a pacifier, maybe even more so. You know, their brains are just constantly being uh, stimulated at a young fucking age. So, like, what's the answer? Like, what, we're, we shouldn't, like, come up with, with an answer now because let's wait and see what the results are. Like, when these babies who are being iPadded from the time they're a few months old, and let's see what happens when they turn 22, 25, 40. Like, this is going to have to be a 40-year study. And I'm sure they're doing it right now, but they're not going to have results for a while. And we're already getting results now. Like, kids today, kids who are 16 years old, anxiety and depression has been raising, especially among uh, young girls. Because there's a lot more social pressure to be a certain way, to look certain, to talk in a certain way. But, yeah, um, none of us have that organic stimulation anymore. Ooh, maybe that, that'll be what I call this podcast. And it's something we forget about, too. Like, it's something we all know we should be doing. Like, we all know we should be on our phones less. We all know we should not eat as much as we do. We all know we sh- we should be exercising more. But it, all, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, like how logic isn't enough. Like, knowing is not enough. You have to then take action. That's the hard part, taking action. Because we're just, we're, we're creature comforts, is that what they call it? It's our creature comforts. We just love being comfortable. We just love doing the thing, you know. We'll be working for nine hours. Come home. We don't want to do more work. We don't want to give ourselves more discipline. Like, it took enough discipline getting out of fucking bed to go to my job. 
So why do I want to come home and continue disciplining my brain to do certain things? Well, we don't want to. That's not the point. You don't have to want to do it, but knowing that you need to should be enough. It should be, but it's not. You know, I have so many disciplines I've been working on for years. Like, I'm talking about years I've been trying to fix myself in certain areas, and it's still a struggle. You know, I've, I started reading regularly, uh, in Colorado. That was three years ago. That's about the time I was actually, when I got into reading. And three years later, I'm now reading three books a month, and it's still hard to do. Like, I have, it's, it's hard to do, but it's easier to do the hard thing, like with reading at least. You know, it's easier to tell myself, like, hey, put, all right, time to start reading. But it's still, like, I still don't want to do it. That's the thing. And even at the beginning of January, I thought by now I'd have a much easier time picking up and finishing a book. But it's probably harder than ever right now. But I do it. I still do it. Because that's the resolution I gave myself. That was the only resolution I gave myself. And I just wanted to stick to it. So far, so good. But thing is, I don't want to do it. It's it's it doesn't make it harder. It doesn't make it easier to like doing it. But after a while, if you just create momentum and just keep doing it, you'll you'll just do it regardless whether you want to or not. Sometimes I want to read a book. Sometimes I'm excited to start a new book that I've been looking forward to. They say it takes 18 months for your for a habit to become permanent. I heard it like it takes like 21 days to to make a habit, but it takes like deep down like to your subconscious it takes 18 months for that habit to become your daily routine, your day your regular your scheduled routine. You know, it'll be like a period at that point, Ugh. a monthly cycle. But that's what I learned in Principles, a book by Ray, Ray, I want to say Diablo, but that sounds silly. It's not Ray Diablo, something like that. Great book. Forgot his name. But yeah, I think this is a good stopping point. I'm, I'm starting to run out of things to talk about. And some of these topics would be good for a new podcast. But yeah, this thing is definitely my longest one. I like that. I'm proud of myself. Hour 18 minutes. Awesome. All right, guys. Later.